The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought in my name. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table it is defiled, and of its food it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands? Says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty. And my name is to be feared among the nations. How now this admonition is for you, O priests. 
If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. The book of Malachi, Malachi meaning messenger. This book could very easily have been the first book of the New Testament. Its words and its direction are very much in line with what John the Baptist came preaching and then what Jesus came teaching. It is a book that takes us all the way to the end of time when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory. Now this book is so frightening because this is the last of the Old Testament prophets until John the Baptist came. Malachi was written some 400 years before the coming of Messiah. For 400 years, God was silent and no longer spoke to his people. When you read this book and the admonition given and the threat of a curse being sent, oh, yea, already I've cursed you, he says. Well, did he? Yes, for 400 years he didn't speak. And during those 400 years, the nation endured enemy armies coming in and ravishing them. We have the Maccabean Revolution, and they gained a little respite, but it was short-lived. And finally, Rome came in. The story is tragic. God means what he says. And he has given us unconditional terms for surrender. We don't like that today. We believe that God in the modern church has unconditional love for us. No, he has unfailing love for us, but he will send curses upon us and he will take the blessings he's given. He will remove them. Now, he's not going to not speak for 400 years. We're now almost a full 2,000 years since Jesus walked on the earth and the Holy Spirit has been sent to speak to us. Many of you listening have not heard the Holy Spirit speak. Why? Because God has a curse on your life even though you're very religious. These people were extremely religious. But they treated God as contemptible. They turned aside from him. Have we done that today? Absolutely. Absolutely. How have we done that? Well, we have been contemptuous of the idea that we should totally lay our lives down for Jesus Christ. We've said, no, that's radical. And so we spend our time in the American church with entertainment, with all of the things of the world, much like those who took that boat ride in the Titanic. There were different levels on the Titanic, first class, third class, But all of them spent their time dancing, orchestra, drinking, gambling, playing cards. None of them seriously imagined that this ship could sink. They were told, this is an unsinkable ship. It cannot go down. They were lied to. And it cost them their lives. Yes, some escaped on lifeboats, but most did not. 
Most in the third class on the bottom level were buried in the bottom of the ship and died in the bottom of the ship. Today, the priests or the pastors say, you can't leave your sin. You're going to always be a sinner, but you're saved. God has unconditional love for you. I've preached in churches where I have taught that, no, you must have an unconditional surrender to the Lord God of heaven. You must give all that you have and all that you are into Jesus' hands. And you can walk today without any known sin in your life. You can overcome the lust, sexual lust, the lust for money, the lust for power, the lust to be right. You can overcome all of that by the blood of Jesus. But no, we in the modern church deny the blood of Jesus, and so I've preached in churches. And I have to tell you, frankly, I was honored when they told me you must leave and never preach here again. John Wesley would preach one time in a church, and then they would say, you cannot ever come back here. We don't want you. Jonathan Edwards, the same thing happened. Those who have come through the years calling for holiness and righteousness and unconditional surrender have been scorned by the modern church. There is a belief that the dancing and the the card playing and the entertainment of the day the movies. I I remember when I first saw the movie by John Wayne. The Peaceful Man, I think it was called. The, no, it was The Quiet Man. I remember watching the movie, and I was a, a John fan. John was to me a Western hero. John Wayne was a man's man. And there were years in my life when I admired that. I'll never forget, I I watched The Quiet Man in humanistic terms, a beautiful rough-and-tumble love story of Ireland. And I noticed after I had finished that the Holy Spirit had left me. He was grieved. My mind was seared. I went back to read the scriptures and I couldn't. I was bored. I ended up having to read the scriptures aloud and walk as I read or I would go to sleep. It was it was boring to me. My mind was seared by the entertainment of of John Wayne's movie. I was at a, a workshop where the speaker was one of the modern preachers of our day, highly renowned, from Southern California. And when John Wayne was on his deathbed in the hospital, he called for this pastor to come. And so the pastor felt very honored, and he went to John Wayne's bedside, and John Wayne took his hand. And he said, Preacher, am I right with Jesus? I'm going to die. Can I enter into heaven? And this preacher said to John Wayne, You've always lived a good life. Jesus loves you and you love Jesus. Absolutely, you can enter into heaven. And John Wayne died with that lie as a refuge of lies 
John Wayne was not ready for heaven. He was not ready to enter into the presence of God. He had not repented of his sins. He had not dealt in any honesty with his heart. He had asked, but this preacher missed an opportunity of opening the door of heaven for a very famous man. It grieves my heart. John Wayne died, and I cannot be his judge, but I suspect he died and went straight to hell because he was not a serious person who pursued after Jesus Christ. He was a worldly man, but a religious man. What I'm trying to say to you today is there are conditions of unconditional surrender you must make if you are going to go to heaven. Now, I'm not going to tell you one thing and have another preacher tell you something else. I'm going to go straight to the scriptures. Chapter 2. Malachi. Now this admonition is for you, O priest, if you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will cure and I will curse your blessing. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. It is required that you set your heart on Jesus Christ and you must be born again. But being born again has content. And I'm going to read for you a portion of that content. I want you to understand that you cannot live a worldly life You cannot be religious and live like our culture, pursuing entertainment, pursuing pleasure, pursuing the lifestyle of America. You cannot pursue that and expect to enter into heaven. We are entering. No, we are in. The last days of this era of Earth's history. We are in the last days of human beings having the rule over the earth. We are soon going to see every demonic manifestation. We're going to see things that we find incredibly hard to even believe or fathom. Now is the time to get right with Jesus. Now, I don't say this to condemn anyone, but you may be one of those who tunes in and listens and knows that what I'm speaking is truth because it's straight from the Word of God. But you don't want to give up your sin yet. And so you tune me out, and then sometime later, maybe when there's a crisis, you say, you know what? I'm going to see what Pastor Ray is saying on Pilgrim's Progress. And so you tune back in and you listen for a few minutes. But you haven't really decided to get serious with Jesus and set your heart on pursuing him. It will take all your time, your energy, and your money. Your entertainment is going to have to be put away. You're going to have to stop all of the things that have comforted your heart in this world. And Jesus must become the total comforter of our heart. We must find our place in Jesus Christ, not in Kmart, not in Walmart, not in Costco, not in the giant grocery store. We cannot find our comfort in the entertainments of this world, the football and the baseball and all the other professional games. We can't 
continue to walk that way and expect that we could ever enter into the kingdom of God. You cannot continue to pursue money or recognition. I've watched as God has brought people to the National Prayer Chapel. And then he has tested their hearts. And many times they've been blown away and dismissed, not by me, but by the Spirit of God. Because in their pride and their arrogance, they were unwilling to lay aside what they think to hear what God thinks. Or they come with some private interpretation of Scripture that is out of line with the actual Word of God. And they're gone. Some of you listen for a while, and then you're gone. I'm sorry. I hope you can hear the word of God from someone else, somewhere else, because there are others also preaching a very straight word of God. There are not many of us, but there are some. My father in the faith, David Wilkerson, was one of those, a man very precious to my heart while he was alive. And others who have passed, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney. We have had men who would come and preach a straight gospel. Well, let me read for you. Keeping in mind, we're talking about the actual conditions necessary for you to enter into heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you again the dream I had some time back. I dreamed that I was traveling out of the city with a small group of people, and we came to a dead end. The highway was totally blocked. We could not make any progress forward. And we began to cry out to God. What should we do? Where should we go? What do you want us to do? And suddenly the dream shifted. And we were now approaching a great temple of God. I got out of my vehicle and I walked forward to the parking lot. And there I saw long lanes for parking. And each lane was identified by a chapter out of the book of Romans. And so I walked past Romans 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. I came to Romans 6. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Okay, walk toward the temple on Romans 6. And so I walked on Romans 6 toward the temple. It was a very large parking lot. And I came to an opening in the pavement. And it had a a covering over it. And there were some men coming toward me from the temple. And with them, there was a, a maiden, a young woman. She was dressed in gold. As I approached this opening, as they removed the cover, it seemed to enlarge. And as I came to it, I looked and saw that there were stone steps going down. And a short distance down, there was a beautiful, clean, crystal pool of water. 
I knew it to be a baptismal tank. As I stood there looking at this baptismal tank, it was clear that I was to baptize this young woman. And so I beckoned for him, for her to come and join me in the water. She shrank back, turned her face aside, and did not want to come. I called several times, and she shrunk back every time. And then I awakened, and I began to cry out to God, for I knew that the dream had commissioned me for what I was to preach. And so on this radio broadcast, I have consistently preached Romans 6. And it also told me that the modern church, dressed in the beauty of gold, having religion, was unwilling to enter into that baptismal tank. And yet I know in the spirit that there is no salvation outside of meeting the requirements of God for total surrender. Now, in light of this dream, I want to read for you portions of Romans, the sixth chapter. We have just been through Romans 5. The law was added so that the trespasses might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, also grace might reign through righteousness. Grace reigns through righteous behavior. Righteous is dikasune. It means innocent, made righteous to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so now we go into chapter 6, and he is going to tell us what are the requirements necessary to enter the kingdom of God. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? You know, the modern church says grace is a blanket that covers us. No, it's not. It teaches us, according to Titus, to say no to ungodliness. By no means, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Have you died to your entertainment? Have you died to your worldly ways? Have you died to spending all of your time and energy trying to seek money? Have you died? to being a pleaser? Have you died to your anger and your bitterness and your rage? Have you died? Verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's why this maiden did not want to be baptized, because it meant the end of her prideful worldly life. It's over. You're done with it. You turn the TV off. You cut off the games. You stop spending your time in pleasure. You seek Jesus with all of your heart. You seek his kingdom. We were therefore buried with him through baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There is a new life for us to live. We find our comfort. We find our love. We find our joy in the person of Jesus. Now that's going to take time. You're going to have to cut off the world and you're going to have to choose that time to read the scriptures and to pray. I am so tired of 
I'm so tired of people coming at me with their theological arguments. Well, they themselves, like Pharisees, do not live righteously before God, but they live in the pride of their own hearts. It makes me sick. It makes me want to vomit. Oh, pastor, what do you think about this issue? Or what do you think about that? Doctrines are important, believe me. But those doctrines were only designed to direct my heart to rest in Jesus Christ. And if I know all the doctrines and I don't know Jesus, if I have not died and entered into his death, if I have not been resurrected with him in new life, I'm just like these priests out of the book of Malachi. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we also certainly will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, no longer slaves to the world's entertainment, no longer slaves to the world's dress fashions. No longer slaves to pride and anger and bitterness and harshness and violence. Because anyone who has died has been sin. If you have not been freed from sin, brother, sister, it's because you haven't died yet. And you cannot be saved without dying. If you've not been crucified with Christ, you cannot be saved. That's as simple as it gets. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. In other words, that word count means inventory, like a business that inventories What products do we have on hand? He's saying, inventory your life. But let no sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, you're under grace. Righteousness does not come from law. Righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. Undeserved merit from Jesus Christ that is real. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means, absolutely no. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so you sit down, and you fill your heart with movies. You fill your heart with plans and designs to make money. You fill your heart with the football games, soon the baseball games, the basketball games, the tennis. You fill your hearts with the sports. You fill your heart and your time with hobbies that have no eternal meaning but you don't spend hours in prayer and seeking after the face of Jesus. You're too busy. What are you too busy doing? Too busy seeking the lust of your own heart. And I know people have said to me, 
Pastor, I know you're right. That's why I listen to you every once in a while, but I can't take too much because I don't want to leave my sin. It can't be that serious, Pastor. Are you serious? I am, I am loved unconditionally by God. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. No, you're not. You haven't made your peace with God. You've made your peace with a false prophet, pastor. You've made your peace with your own sentimental heart. But you haven't met the conditions for salvation, which are crucifixion, death to self. grieves my heart greatly because people that I love dearly have not made the decision yet to cut off their lifestyle and their sin. It breaks my heart. I know something has to happen for them or they will be cast aside. We're here such a short amount of time. You need a car, so now you're consumed with a car search. You need a job, so you're consumed with a job search. Friends say, come on, let's go play. And off you go to play their sports. Jonathan Edwards sat in his study for 16 to 18 hours every day, weeping before the Lord because he saw the condition of his own heart and the condition of the church. And he knew something had to change. He knew he had to change. And so he received great criticism from his church because he would not attend their social functions. I understand. His heart was to follow after Jesus. And he saw that men and women who called themselves Christians were but half converted. Some of you listening to this radio broadcast today are but half converted. You still have not made that final decision. No, you don't have to get rid of all of your sin. You can take that sin to Jesus and ask him to remove it from your heart, to remove the love of that from your heart and surrender to Jesus. He is the cleanser of our hearts. He is the one who circumcises our hearts. You can't do it. He has to do it. This chapter 6, verse 17. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness or innocence, leading to holiness. You know, I don't know how to even say this to you, brother, sister. There's going to have to be, in all of us, a dramatic and radical change. We are headed into a time of famine, of shortage. We're headed into a time of persecution. We're headed into a very dark time. We've been manipulated by our government. We've worn diapers on our face. We've believed their lies. And many of you have felt the side effects of all of this in your body. And you need to be one with Jesus to cry out for healing because The so-called vax will cause great damage to your body. You may not feel it now, 
but you will probably feel it soon in the future. Jesus is coming again, and soon. There is a, an urgency in my heart. I want to see Jesus. I want to pray. I want to sit in his presence and read his word. Oh, my heart, like everyone's heart, wants to go after what it desires, but I have been crucified with Christ. So I no longer go after it. I love the movies. I love the football. I love the the parties. I don't anymore. I want Jesus. And some of you, you know you've been called to the National Prayer Chapel. You know the church you may be attending or may not be attending is not preaching a straight God. So you come and listen to a bit of Pastor Ray as much as you can take, and then you turn it off and off you go. Would you come to Jesus? Would you be set free from your sin? Would you have your heart healed and your body restored? What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you're now ashamed of? These things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Adam and Eve, one sin, and the whole world was sunk. And we have borne now these 6,000 years with the sin of Adam and Eve and the sin of our own hearts. There is a way for you to be set free from your sin. But it's going to take time and energy and money and obedience. You must meet the minimum requirements necessary for salvation. And the minimum requirement for salvation is that you be crucified with Christ and no longer give your members of your body your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your feet, your hands. You no longer give those in service to the wickedness of our age. But instead, you you use them to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you walk without any known sin in your life. Now, when we look at Malachi, He says, now listen, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. The Lord God of heaven has cursed the blessing of America. And I know there are those who are saying, oh, no, pastor, we're going to come into a golden age. No, we're not. The Lord God of heaven has cursed America because of our utter, utter wickedness before him. The murder of babies, the murder of nations, the pursuit of every unclean lust of our heart, the pedophilia, the homosexuality, the lying and the cheating and the stealing, the fighting and the bitterness and the anger, The Lord is not going to put up with America any longer. We have become the beast. Not the beast, the the Babylon that rides on the beast. And the beast will burn us. America will be burned. 
I know you don't want to hear that. But now, today, is the day of salvation. And yes, Christians, I'm speaking to you. You've been a half-converted Christian for years. Now, when are you going to take a stand and say, Okay, I am done with my sin. I am done with loose living. I am done with gossip and bitterness and anger and violence. I am done with the movies and the and the videos. I am done. I cut them off in the name of Jesus. My comfort will come from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And husband, are you willing to lead your family to the cross? Are you willing to pay whatever price is necessary to get right with God? Or do you have to have some great crisis of cursing from the God of heaven come upon your life so that you must suffer intently and intensely? Look, we're out of time in America. Inflation is rocketing. Gas is now over $4 a gallon. Some parts of the country, it is now already $7 a gallon. Can you imagine going to the gas station and paying $10 a gallon to fill your gas tank? For me, that would mean a a fill-up of $120 to $130 every time I filled my tank. I can't afford that. Can you? We're going to see such poverty come upon this nation as the middle class is intentionally being wiped out by the world powers, the cabal that wants to run the world, called the beast power. We are watching as the beast power emerges in the world. You're going to see the mark of the beast very soon as it emerges in a digital currency. And you won't be able to buy or sell except as you swear allegiance to the beast power, to the demon. We're right at the door of that. When are you going to make a decision to utterly sell out? Oh, I've got my little retirement. I've got my pension. I've got my 401k. It's time for me to go travel. Are you kidding me? It's not time to see the world. It's time to get ready for Jesus to come. Some of you are saying, but I've got my family. I've got my job. I've got a new car. Things are looking good for me. I can afford to go play. No, you can't. God has already cursed America. He's cursed our blessing. We're losing our finances. The petrodollar is almost destroyed, and you're going to see a probably a doubling of the fantastic debt we already owe. The stock market is going to continue to go up until the hour it crashes, 90% at least. Do you understand? You can't float. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. Are you kidding me? You can't live like that anymore and expect to go to heaven. Babylon is under the curse of God, and we are Babylon as Americans. He said, oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. He's saying, would you just shut the churches down again? Some of you are going to church and you're enjoying all the social life and you're enjoying the little inspirational sermons your preacher gives you. But you don't leave weeping over your sin and you don't leave clearly understanding that you must depart from your wickedness. Instead, you're taught Jesus loves you unconditionally. And I want to speak to those of you who are going to to good churches. 
but you're still living in the comfort of America and in the culture of America, and your primary concern is your job and your car and your house and your family. Your primary concern is not Jesus. Look at the way you spend your time. Look at the way you spend your money. Look at what your lifestyle is. Examine it. Take inventory, brother, sister. It's time to get right with Jesus. And you don't have much time. Things are closing down. And you're going to see America in a very, very desperate and difficult place. I love you dearly. Or I would not speak this way to you. I know there are many, many, many of you who listen to this broadcast, thousands of you who listen to this broadcast, but you listen to it like music. It doesn't move you to action because you lust after your lifestyle and you refuse to humble your heart. Oh Lord, I I cry aloud for myself and for every person listening to this broadcast, that we would utterly cut everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that we would dwell in you, Jesus, that we would not resist the crucifixion, but we would run to the crucifixion, that we would be made clean by your precious blood, restored and made whole, to live with you, Jesus, for eternity. Oh, Lord, I know we're in trouble. And I pray, oh God, for your mercy today. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We meet on Sunday in Woodbridge. It's a house church. We're not large. We're just totally seeking after Jesus. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And you can also find there our address where you can reach us. You'll also find there my phone my personal cell phone number. Call. I'll talk with you. I'll pray with you. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm praying for you. I'm fasting for you. I'm calling you to Jesus. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.